Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 17. Today, Larry Heller, CFP, has a special guest, Robert Brown, who is a CPA, and they're going to talk about how and when to use a Roth. Guys, take it away. Thanks, Matt. So, Robert, why don't we talk a little bit about just the differences between a traditional versus a Roth? Well, the basic difference is uh, between a traditional and a and a Roth IRA is, is that traditional IRA, you get a tax deduction for your annual contribution and the whatever income that accumulates is, uh, is tax deferred, but you do pay tax on it on the way out. The Roth IRA, you get no tax deduction for the contributions. You do, however, have a tax-free accumulation. When you withdraw the money, it is also tax-free. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's great. So, you know, so it depends really where, what tax bracket you in when you're deciding if you should contribute to a Roth and versus a traditional. Obviously, there's also some limits on whether you're eligible for a Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA. And there are some differences in a 401k plan, whether you're, whether the plan has both a Roth and a traditional um, availability. So give us an example of somebody who would be more inclined to do a Roth versus a traditional. I prefer to like to do Roths on younger individuals. One of the issues you have with Roth IRAs is you do have income limits on making Roth IRA contributions. For a single individual, the amount that you're able to contribute decreases once your income goes above 63000 And for a, married, for a married couple, at 101000 So it's almost sometimes you do it because you can do it. The other aspect of that is, is that when they're younger, their income's lower, the tax bracket is lower. doesn't have as much benefit. And uh, at, at the later on, when they're uh, in their retirement years, when, in, when tax rates are like, likely to be much, much higher, they have this large tax-free income pool. So, you know, just kind of a, a rule of thumb that I also talk about, similar to what you just mentioned, is that if you're in a low tax bracket now and expect to be in a higher tax bracket later, that you should fund a Roth. And if you're in a high tax bracket now and you think later on, especially in retirement, that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket, that you should be doing a traditional contribution. So that's a little bit about Roth and traditional contributions. Now we can switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the strategies. We'll talk about Roth conversions. But one of the strategies um, also is, you know, being able to contribute to a Roth if you're not eligible. And one of what we call is the backdoor Roth contributions. And we thought in the new tax law that that was going to be eliminated, but Congress and Senate did not address it. So it's still eligible. So Robert, what is a backdoor Roth and how can you uh, contribute to one? A backdoor Roth is, backdoor Roth is basically a situation where you're not eligible to make a Roth Taxpayer is not eligible to make a Roth IRA contribution. They're also not eligible to make a deductible traditional IRA contribution. So what they're doing, in effect, is they make a traditional 
IRA contribution, which is non-deductible, and subsequently convert that traditional IRA to a Roth. Yeah, so so and there are a couple of caveats here that you have to be careful careful about, and one of it is really the the, the aggregate rule, and there's still certain you know there's still certain limits. So so let's say for for now you're over 50 50 years old, so you're you can contribute 6,500 to a you know to a Roth, but you're not eligible because you make too much money. So what Robert was saying is. You contribute $6,500 to a non-deductible IRA, and then you wait. Now, how long do you have to wait before you then would convert that non-deductible IRA into a Roth? So what are your feelings on that, Ryan? My feelings on that, that there, there is nothing written in stone. We're always fearful of what they call the uh, step transaction doctrine, where you You've done a series of transactions uh, to avoid tax, but we generally don't. We generally don't want to do it the next day. Yeah. So if you do it in the next day, the IRS could say that you were kind of really trying to avoid or trick the system by converting from a non-deductible IRA into a Roth conversion. So there are some experts that say you should wait. 30 days. There are some experts that say you should wait a year, but there's nothing there in writing. And one of the things that we we don't do here as a firm is we don't even put that down on paper that we're doing a so-called backdoor Roth. So there really is no paper trail. It's basically you're making a non-deductible IRA, and then later on you decided to decided to convert that over. So one of the things you can get caught up with and stuck with is what happens if you have money already in IRA accounts and you decide to do this backdoor Roth? Unfortunately, you end up in a situation where you're doing a pro rata conversion. What does that mean? Okay. What what that means is let's assume we take a a person who's got, they've got $45,000 in their IRA. If this was a traditional IRA, always took deductions on these. They decide this year they're going to make a $5,000 non-deductible IRA contribution and then convert it. So what they then have is, is they then have $50,000 of IRAs, of which 5000 was non-deductible. So whereas, so when they do the conversion, what will happen is, is that 10% of the dollars coming out will be uh, non-taxable. The rest... Is going to be taxable upon that conversion. They're not getting what they think they're getting, where they can just take the five five thousand dollars, and we're just going to earmark those dollars as the ones we're converting. So, really, what 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 Robert's saying is this really works best if you don't have an IRA. So, if all your money is is with a four hundred one k plan, then you would have no taxes if you did this backdoor conversion. So one of the things also you can think about, one of the strategies is if you do have a small IRA and you are working, you can actually transfer your IRA into your 401k plan and now poof, now you're eligible to do a backdoor Roth without any tax ramifications. Larry, I will tell you that personally in my own practice, I don't necessarily always think that paying tax is a crime. I do have many of these situations where I've had, let's say, non-working spouses 
where they have small accumulations in their IRAs, and we converted and then we paid the tax, being that we know that they're not going to be the primary retirement provider. And what we are able to do now is, is you know, they, maybe they had $3,000 and they have to pay tax on the $40,000 and maybe it costs them $13,000. But each year now we're doing this non-deductible IRA contribution and then a conversion and we're building up this large pool of tax-free money as either an additional additional bucket down the road or ultimately they can leave it to their children. Which is a great point you make is that a lot of times with our clients that these Roth conversions are really not going to be for them. It's going to be for the next generation or even two generations because even though after you pass away, you have to take out a required minimum distribution, the growth is still tax deferred. So you're actually sometimes able to defer taxes for 30, 40, 50 years on a Roth conversion that you leave to a child or to a grandchild. So, you know, so that kind of leads us into some of the other, you know, planning and the other Roth conversion planning that you that you can do later on. So you just said, you know, sometimes with a non-working spouse. But what about people that have now kind of reached, you know, reached retirement and Roth conversions for them? Well, you do have situations. You have people sometimes they they may be in a very, very low tax bracket, maybe in a zero tax bracket. They may be in a situation where they have deductions that they're not using. And you may want to start to do little, sometimes small annual conversions to absorb some of those deductions because we always have to remember that the, um, in a traditional, a traditional IRA, any qualified retirement plan, be it a pension, profit sharing plan, 401k, 403b, you're still going to have to pay minimum distributions. There's something nice about being able to take a portion of it, convert it to a Roth. You don't, re- you don't really need the money. And what you've got is you've got the, all these additional years of uh, tax deferred, uh, tax free growth. That's great. And sometimes it still makes sense to do it, even if you're in a, in, in, you know, in a higher tax bracket. But, you know, especially now with the changes in the, in the tax laws, when you retire, if you can potentially be in a much lower bracket, you know, the new 22% bracket or the 24% bracket. And if you wait until you're 70 and a half, when you have to pull out your required minimum distribution, you now may be in a much higher 37% bracket. So we're starting to look at year by year, what bracket you're going to be in and filling those lower end brackets. So if you can fill up those lower end brackets and later on um, reduce the requirement distribution, you're going to save a lot of money like that. Now, most accountants, Robert, don't like telling clients to pay taxes earlier. But I think in the overall, when we're maybe we're handling maybe two different sides of the uh, same problem, we are trying to be as tax efficient as is possible, taking clients away from the snapshot and saying, hey, in that year, you paid less. Of course, over the five-year period, you paid considerably more than you could have paid had we managed this better. But you're trying to manage the liability as best as possible, and no one should argue with that kind of logic. Right. So it's really a combination of looking at what your current taxes, but actually planning out over the rest of your life to see what you're going to maximize after tax to yourself and to your family. You know, a couple other just ideas 
that if you happen to be out of a job in one year and you and your income is going to be lower, one of the things you could think about is doing you know some Roth you know Roth conversions. Or if your business has a big loss in a, in that year, Agreed. right? That that's another great you know great way of taking advantage of the Roth conversions. The only um, thing you can't do is you can't plan after the fact. Absolutely. Now you used to be able to plan after the fact. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about a little bit what the the tax law has taken away from you us. Know, I'm going to get emotional now about the recharacterizations. Well, uh, we used we had this up until this uh, new tax legislation that came in. We used to have on a uh, Roth conversion what was called a recharacterization. The recharacterization was very very nice. Let's assume you had a a large uh, IRA uh, Roth conversion that you did. It was a million dollars. You converted it and filed an extension on the on your tax return for that year. What it enabled you to do was uh, it, it enabled you up to the due date of the return that if the market dropped on that account and that million dollar account that was only worth $850,000, you could in effect undo what you just did, which was nice. And you could redo it again at a later time. So you didn't have the tax liability on that this on that drop in value. That unfortunately now is gone. We will no longer have the recharacterization. The only thing we are stuck with the only thing we have left now is time. And hopefully when you're doing your Roth conversions, you have time. So you're gonna recommend that people wait till later in the year to do a Roth conversion or not really? I I think I do things the way you do them. I think you have to take each person's situation individually, sometimes on the small ones. The small conversions, it's probably not going to be earth shattering in your particular case because of the nature of your business. You're doing a lot of planning. You're following the market. You're going to be looking at where market trends are and where you think there may be market corrections. You might get possibly give different advice. Not really. We're not really timing the market there. But the the, the point that you, that you make is really... Part of it probably depends upon the size of the conversion. If it's a small conversion, it's really not going to be that significant. But if you are converting over some large dollar amounts, then you may want to be cognizant about, you know, when you're doing it and what could happen during, you know, during the year. Why don't we just finish up and talk about the five year, you know, the five year rule and what that means and how that works for, you know, for a Roth. Well, you you have to have the account that has to be in existence for five years to take advantage of a lot of the benefits of having a Roth. So when you so when you convert to a Roth in order to be able to pull the money out tax free, just for everyone to know that that ha- you have to leave the money there for five for, you know for five years, except for a first time home buyer, correct? Yes, you get a you're able to take out up to ten thousand dollars. Okay, and you also have to be over fifty nine and a half to avoid you know avoid the the, the penalty. One thing that we find very, you know, very interesting is when the clock on the five-year rule starts. So it's not when you put the money in, it's when you open the account. So sometimes we'll actually recommend opening or doing a Roth conversion with even a couple hundred dollars. Because once you then start the Roth, even though you may not be doing some larger Roth conversions for two, three or four years, five years later, the clock has already started. So then you don't have to wait five years on the conversions. Uh, that hasn't changed with the new new rule as far as you know, Robert. As far as I know, I have not seen any change on that. 
Larry, do you, uh, in the course of uh, your uh, practice, do you do much in terms of splitting? Splitting. Uh, IRA splitting. IRA splitting, taking. In other words, between, let's say, splitting it up between beneficiaries. Yes, we do some splitting between beneficiaries for different, you know, for different reasons. But, you know, we're also looking at splitting them for different time frames as far as investment strategies. Is there some reason? I just, just It was just a, uh, a general question because I think there's a point in all of this is that you need to plan it. You need to sit down and, and plan what it is you want to do, what it is you're trying to accomplish. The basics on this are basic. Mm-hmm. And once you get past the basics, everybody's situation is unique and you really have to look at what it is you're, what am I able to do and what am I trying to accomplish? Right. And that's a good point. And that's why working with both a financial planner, wealth manager, account, and even sometimes their estate planner on these Roths, because if a client wants to leave a Roth to a minor, you don't want to just have the minor, the beneficiary. So there's some wording that a estate planner is going to put together there. So working as a team on these Roths, where they do seem simple, but they can be complicated is very important. Robert, thank you for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. And this was episode number 17, How and When to Use a Roth with Larry Heller, CFP, and Robert Brown, CPA. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you click the subscribe now button below. That way, every time Larry comes out with a new podcast, it will show up on your listening device. For Larry and Robert, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you again very soon.